Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing? Pretty good. That was pretty good. Somebody got a little bah humbug in you. Somebody did that. Come on. How are you doing this morning? Come on, give it a go. Good, good. Good. We are glad that you're here. Did you realize that Christmas is in nine days? It's nine days till Christmas. Nine days. Is that crazy or what? I know I just freaked some of you out right now, didn't I? You're like going, wait a minute, nine days? Are you kidding me? Now, how many of you actually have everything done? You got all your shopping done, you got all the presents wrapped, they're already on the tree. You are done. You are done. We got a few of you? Got a few? Just, just a couple. <laughs> we, got a, we got a crowd that's in trouble. How many of you aren't even close, okay? You're not even close. You're not even close. I'll tell you what. My only question to y'all is, what are you doing here? There's only nine days till Christmas. I mean, you got a lot to do. You got a lot to do. No, no. We, we, we are glad that you are here. And, uh, but I will tell you this, all of you that don't have anything done, get everything done this week. Get everything done this week because uh, this coming weekend, we start our Christmas services and we've got some amazing things planned. You don't wanna miss our Christmas services. In fact, we're gonna do two different services. On the weekend, we're gonna do one service at our normal service times. And on Christmas Eve, we're gonna do a completely different service, completely different service at one, three, and five, okay? Bill's got two different messages that he's gonna be doing. We've got totally different music. In fact, on Monday, on Monday, we're gonna do something that we've never done here before. You do not want to miss it and get here early. It's going to be really, really incredible. You need to be here and you need to bring somebody with you. You need to bring somebody with you, okay? Because that's why we do so many service times. We do uh, a lot of times so you can bring different people to different services and we keep it different so you can come multiple times because it's all about bringing people. The greatest gift anybody could ever receive at Christmas is the gift of Jesus. And guess what? We're gonna be offering that gift at every single service. So make sure you get people here, be here, because that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about God sending his son so that we could have a personal relationship with him. You see, the Christmas story didn't start with two young people trying to figure out where to have a baby. The Christmas story actually started with two old people who thought they'd never have a baby. Okay, the Christmas story didn't start with two young people who were trying to figure out how they got pregnant. It started with two old people who thought they'd never get pregnant, okay? See, 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, God made a promise to a guy by the name of Abraham. Made this promise way back in the book of Genesis, and he says to him, he says that through you, I'm gonna bless the entire world. Through you, I'm gonna make a great nation. I'm gonna bless every nation, every tribe, every person. Through you, I'm gonna bless the world. Now, you might be asking, why did God do it this way? I mean, why, why, did, why did God choose to bless the world this way? And the easiest way for me to explain this is for you parents out there, you parents, have you ever thought to yourself, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I just wish my kids understood how much I love them. I just wish my kids understood how much I love them, how much I care about them. I wish my kids didn't think I stay up all night long just trying to think of ways to make their life miserable. I wish, I wish my kids understood that when I ask them to do something or not do something, it was because I only want the best for them. Because if my kids really understood how I felt about them, they'd trust me. They would truly, truly trust me. Have you ever felt that way? 
Well, guess what? God, your heavenly father, thought the exact same thing. But think about his challenge. Think about his challenge. I mean, it's hard enough for us, right? It's hard enough when we're staring eyeball to eyeball with our teenager trying to say, trust me, trust me, right? It's hard enough. But what does God do? I mean, what does God do? God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, the, the, the creator of the universe. The invisible God, the spirit God. What does he do to show us how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, to show us that we can trust him? What does he do? Christmas, that's what he does. He does Christmas. He sends his son so that we could have a personal relationship with him. Remember Paul, the apostle Paul? You know Paul, the guy who bursts on the pages of history as the Christian hater? Paul hated all Christians. Paul was a Pharisee and he thought everything that was wrong in the world was all because of Christians. And so he made it his life ambition to get, all, get rid of all Christians. And so he started going around. He was rounding up Christians. He was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. He was doing a good job of getting rid of Christians. And then he became one. And once he became a Jesus follower, he started looking at the Jewish scriptures differently. He started looking at the Old Testament differently. He started looking at it like it was this cocoon and that this cocoon was how God was birthing something brand new into the world. And the Old Testament was why he did it. And so Paul gets this aha moment. He gets this aha moment. And he ends up writing this letter to a, a group of Christians that were living in a Roman province in which is now modern day Turkey. And in this letter, he tells us why. And it's Galatians 4, and this is what he says. He says, but when the set time had fully come, Paul was saying, when God knew the time was right, when God knew that the time was perfect, when God knew enough history had gone by, when God knew that he had the world's undivided attention, God did something. God sent his son. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why? Why did God send anybody? And why did God send his son? And why did we have to have God in a body? But see, it's even more complicated than that because it said he was born of a woman born under the law. So it's not why did we have to have God in a body, but why did we have to have God in a baby body? I mean, why didn't God just show up like himself and say, I'm here now, everything's changed, trust me. I'm here for you, just trust me. But no, he sent him in a baby body under the same laws, under the same rules and regulations as us. And then he tells us why. He says to redeem those under the law. See, God sent his son to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. God showed us his love for us by sending his son to do something that the, the scriptures of the Old Testament couldn't do. To do something that the prophets couldn't do. Do something that the exile and punishment couldn't do. God knew he had to do something personal. God wanted to have a personal relationship with everybody that we might receive adoption into the sonship. God came as a baby so that we could identify with him because he wants us to be a part of his family. I mean, think about that. How would we know where we stood with God if God hadn't come to stand with us? How would you know where you stood with God if God hadn't to come and stand with you. So 4,000 years ago, God makes a promise to a guy by the name of Abraham. 2,000 years later, Jesus is born. And 2,000 years after that, 
we're here talking about it. And lives are still being changed because of it. I mean, think about the gravity of that. Think about all the things that have happened in the last 2,000 years. Think of all the things that have gone by. You can't name the names. You can't name the dates. You can't name the events. But here, the birth of a Jewish baby in Bethlehem has become a household name. It's become a household name. At the set time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption into the sonship. That's the story of Christmas. God sending his son to have a personal relationship with everyone. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, Unto Us. We've been talking about the fact that God sent his son to come into that relationship with us. And what we've been doing is looking at uh, a passage of scripture from Isaiah when Isaiah announced what God was gonna do to the Israelite nation. And this is what he said in Isaiah 9. He said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now let me give you a little backstory of what's going on that when, when Isaiah said this to the Israelite nation, it was a time that they had turned away from God. The nation of Israel had turned away from God, was doing their own thing. They had run away from God. And remember in the Old Testament, every time the nation turned away from God, what did God do? He'd send a prophet. And he'd send a prophet and he'd speak through this prophet to say, listen guys, you're doing the wrong thing. It's time to come back. God wants you back. You're messing up. Come on back. And this is what Isaiah was doing. He was telling them they need to come back. But what we also see in the story, it was also a time that the nation of Israel was in great fear. They had turned away from God. They were in great fear because their enemies were at the border and they thought they could be attacked at any point. They thought they could be overrun at any point. And so they're in great fear. And Isaiah says to them, he says, you know, you're not in fear because you're scared of what your enemies can do to you. You're actually in fear because you've turned your back on God. That's why you're in fear. But he says, but even though you've turned your back on God, God hasn't turned his back on you. In fact, God is gonna do something for you. God is gonna send his son. And you're gonna see that his name is wonderful and counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so in this series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at these attributes of the son that God sent us. We've been looking at these attributes, and if you missed any of the Previous weeks, make sure you go to metchurch.com and you watch them because Bill has been doing an amazing, amazing job of showing how these attributes can impact and change our lives. And this week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the mighty God, the mighty God. And what's so significant about this, what's so significant is what Isaiah is telling us is the son that God is sending is God. He is not a God. He's not a lesser God. He is God. Now, there's a lot of religions who believe that God sent his son, but he's not God. But he's telling us, no, he is sending God, that Jesus is God. His son is God. And one of the things that we see by doing that is he gives him the name that God actually gives himself. There's a few different names that God calls himself in the Bible when you're reading through in the Old Testament. And uh, there's two uh, Jewish names that, that correspond with mighty God. And the first one is El Gabor, which actually means mighty God. And then you have El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. And you see this all throughout when God is talking about himself. In fact, the first time that you ever hear the word El Shaddai is when God is talking to Abraham. 
It's in Genesis 17, 1. When God goes to Abraham and he says to him, he says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. He says, walk with me and be blameless. He says, I'm going to do something through you. I'm making a promise to you. You walk with me. You trust me. And I'm going to bless the entire world. And in the very next chapter in Genesis 18, 18, 14, remember, God is talking to Abraham. He says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And remember the story of that? When God tells Abraham he's going to have a son, his wife, Sarah, laughs. She laughs and God says, what's she laughing for? Well, she's laughing because Abraham's 99 and she's like 90, okay? And she's going, God, I, I understand what you're talking about, but you, you've kind of missed the boat on this. You kind of missed the time clock. It's not going to happen. And God says to her, he says, is there anything too difficult? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Is there anything too difficult for El Gabor? See, when we look at these titles, when we look at mighty God, when we look at these attributes, the one thing you have to do, anytime you see the word El, it's talking about God's strength. It's talking about his absolute power. And it's always used to refer to, to God himself. So anytime you're reading that, you see that, that's what he's referring to, is God's absolute power, absolute might. And then when you see the word Gabor, what it means is warrior. It means conqueror. It means hero. And so when Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel, he's saying, you're there in fear, but God has your back and he's sending you a warrior. He's sending you a conqueror. He's sending you a hero. So you don't have to be scared anymore. All your fears are gone if you will trust him. If you will put your life in his hands, you trust him. That's what God is doing for you. He's the mighty God. He's the El Gabor. Now, Shaddai is a little bit different because that's actually two Hebrew words that are actually put together. Put together. We have shad, which actually means breast, and then we have uh, die, which means enough. And what it's talking about is the nurturing nature of God Almighty, that God cares for his children, that he nurtures his children. He pours out blessings on his children. And it's actually the only attribute of God that actually has feminine qualities, there's a lot of people, when they say El Shaddai, they actually also call it Father, Mother, God. They say those things. And the easiest way for me to describe this to you, uh, the qualities here, is a nursing mother. It's talking about a nursing mother, how a nursing mother takes care of her child, feeds her child, does everything to take care of the needs of her child. Now, I'm not a woman, and I've never nursed a baby. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I was reading it, when it was talking about doing this, it was talking about the fact that a nursing mother actually knows when her baby needs to be fed even before the baby cries because her milk comes in. And not only that, that after the baby starts growing, the supply also grows. The supply increases. And what he was saying is that's the quality of this God Almighty, this mighty God is the fact that God knows what you need even before you do. And not only does he know what you need even before you do, he's got enough to supply you to get you through all things. So when we're talking about the mighty God, when we're talking about God Almighty, what Isaiah was saying was this child that's being born into the world is enough. That's the overarching thing. He is enough for whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever the problem, whatever the circumstance, he is enough. And that's what Isaiah was saying to the Israel nation. You've turned away from the one who's enough. It's time to come back. God cares for you. And that's really the question I have for you. Because the son that he sent is enough. But the question is, 
Do you see him as enough? Do you see him as enough? See, when life is going great, God's always enough, right? I mean, when life is going great, God is more than enough. We're here, we come to church, we're praising him. Thank you, God, for all you do because I have a great life, everything's going wonderful. But the minute we face something difficult, that's when the true test comes. Do we actually see him as being enough? God sent his son to show us that he was enough. And he's not gonna make a difference in your life till you see him as being enough. And so I wanna look at a story in the Bible in Matthew 8, and it's, it's a time when the disciples were encountered with that same situation. Is he the mighty God? Is he enough? Now you gotta remember the disciples they, they knew Jesus probably better than anybody else. They traveled with Jesus. They did ministry with Jesus. They saw him heal people. They saw him cast out demons. They, they, they saw miracles. I mean, they knew the power of Jesus. But the minute they faced something, the minute they were going through something, all of a sudden they had to answer the question, do we see him as enough? And so if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew 8, and this is what it says. It says, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And what had happened is Jesus had spent the, the whole day preaching and teaching and performing miracles and, and loving on people and changing lives, and he was done. He was tired. He was ready to leave. And remember, anytime time Jesus showed up anywhere, people just flocked around him. So the only way that he actually could get away from all these people was to get on a boat and sail across the Sea of Galilee. And so that's what he does. He gets on the boat and the disciples follow him. And what happens is suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat. Now, one thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it was always known for these spontaneous storms. Storms would pop up out of nowhere. They would always have these storms there. And remember, four of the disciples were fishermen. They were fishermen by profession. So you know they've been on the sea before when these storms popped up. You know they've been there. You know they know what to do. But what we see in the story is these guys were scared to death. So this had to be a storm like nothing they'd ever faced before. Because these guys thought they were going down. They thought they were going to die. And what we see was happening, but Jesus was, was sleeping. So while all this is going on, while the storm is raging, while everything's happening, Jesus is sleeping. Now, there's a lot of theologians who say that this is a sign of showing his human side, that yes, he's fully God, but he's fully human. And here he is exhausted because he'd worked all day, he'd healed people, he was there. So he's sleeping and he's so exhausted that he could sleep through this raging, raging storm. But see, I think something else was going on, okay? Just my opinion, don't write me any letters, but I'm saying I think something else was going on because yes, he's fully man so he could be exhausted, but he's also fully God, which means he's omniscient. See, I think Jesus knew the storm was coming before he ever got on the boat. I think he knew what was happening. And I think he was laying there to see if his disciples thought he was enough. Have you ever done that? Some of you might be doing it this afternoon. You ever go back home and take that nice Sunday nap? You're kind of laying on the couch and you're just there and you're just, sometimes you're pretending you're sleeping so everybody leaves you alone. Have you ever done that? You know what I mean? You just keep your eyes closed and you actually got one eye open just seeing what's going on because you hear the kids and you're kind of watching but you just want to stay sleeping and you just keep an eye on them. That's what I think he's doing. I think he's kind of just seeing what's going on. See how they feel. He's kind of checking out what's happening because what you need to understand is there is nothing, nothing 
that you go through, there's nothing you face that catches God by surprise. There's nothing that you're going through that God goes, whew, man, I didn't see that coming. Man, I don't know how you're dealing with that one. Good luck with that. There's nothing that you go through that God doesn't know. But sometimes he allows you to go through things so that you actually see where your faith is. Do you see him as enough? He allows us to go through things so that we draw even closer to him. And I think that's what's happening in this story. And this is what happens. It says the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going down. We're going to drown. We're going to die. Do something. How can you sleep through this? How can you sleep through what's going on? Now, at least they went to Jesus. I mean, at least they did that right. They went to him when they saw the storm. But here's one thing I want you to understand. They went to Jesus to see if he had an answer. They didn't go to Jesus because he was the answer. You need to know the difference. They went to Jesus to see if he had an answer. They didn't go to Jesus because he was the answer. Now you can take this and say, well, they called him Lord. Well, actually in some translations, they, they changed this out for teacher. It's a sign of respect. It wasn't, they didn't go to him because they saw him as the mighty God. They saw him as a, as a great man, a great teacher, somebody they respected that they thought had an end with God that maybe he could do something to get him out of this mess. But they didn't see him for who he truly was. And so this is what happens. Jesus goes and he replies, he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are we afraid, Jesus? Have you not seen the storm that's happening? Do you not see that we're knee deep in water here? It's all water in here. Why are we afraid? That's why we're afraid. And, God is, and Jesus is saying, no, you're a little faith because you're not seeing me for who I truly am. I'm the mighty God. And as long as I'm with you, it's gonna be okay. And so what does he do? He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. This is the first time that Jesus actually showed to his disciples his absolute power over all. They've seen him do um, some miracles. They, see, they saw him heal people. They never saw him actually have control over the, the universe, control over the, the nature. And they were stunned. And they looked, they said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obeyed him. They didn't see who he truly was. That's why Jesus was questioning their faith. You're not seeing that I'm enough. And what we read, and uh, again, this is my opinion, I don't think the, the disciples actually ever saw him as the mighty God till after the resurrection. Okay, don't give me any emails, okay? I'm just, that's my opinion as far as doing it. And I know some of you go, well, what happened in Matthew 16? He was talking about, Jesus was asking the disciples, who do the people say I am? And the people say, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. And then Jesus asked the disciple, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, he says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. But what does Peter do right after that? He runs. He's fearful. He thinks it's over. The disciples thought once Jesus was arrested, Peter denies him three times. But if you watch the continuing story that goes through that after Jesus is arrested and he's crucified and he's buried and he rises again, Peter's never afraid again because he sees him now truly as his mighty God. 
his mighty savior, the God who overcame the grave. He finally sees him for who he truly is. And that's really the question I have for you. Do you see Jesus as that in your life? Do you see him for who he truly is? Is he enough? For no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, is he enough? Because that is why he came. To prove to you that's his love for you. That's how much he cares for you. So that you could trust him to know that he is enough. And the only way you're gonna truly know if you see him that way is when you're going through something difficult. So I got three questions for you. When you face adversity, when you face difficulty, do you see the storm or do you see the Savior? Do you see the storm or do you just see the Savior? The disciples saw the storm. They thought it was over. They thought there was no hope. It was all lost. It was gone. Their focus was on the storm. And any time that you're looking at your circumstance over your Savior, you're gonna feel the exact same way. John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice what it says. It said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He's saying that you're gonna face trouble. That's not an option. But you can have peace through anything you face when you trust him, when you see him as enough. When you're going through something, do you have peace? Some of you are probably going through something right now. You got a lot of turmoil going on in here? Or do you have a peace? It comes down to you see him as being enough. Because when you see him as being enough, you lift your eyes off your circumstance and you know that your Savior is going to see you through. Hebrews 12.2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That when your eyes are on him, you stay strong because you know that the mighty God, the El Gabor, the conqueror is going to see you through. You know that the El Shaddai is going to supply everything that you're going through. Leads us to the second point. When you face trials, when you face troubles, do you respond with fear or you respond with faith? The disciples responded with fear because of the fact that they forgot who was on the boat with them. They didn't see who was on the boat with him, that he was the mighty God. And there is nothing you go through that you go through alone. There's times you might turn your back. There's times you might forget, but God is with you. And if you focus on him, he's going to see you through those things. He says, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind is right thinking. That is understanding who's on the boat with you. That the one who can see you through all things is with you and he will see you through. And finally, when you go through troubles, do you see a man or do you see a mighty God? Do you see church is just a way to come to give you suggestions how to live your life? That you kind of read your Bible to think, mm, this one works for me, this one doesn't. Or do you truly see Jesus as a guy you can trust and follow? 
because he wants the very best for you. See, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So many of you aren't living your best life because you haven't totally surrendered to the mighty God who can change your life. That's why God sent his son. He's saying, you're not getting how much I love you, how much I care about you, how much I want you to trust me and follow my ways because I want you to have the best life ever. That's God's love for you. There is nothing he won't do for you. You just have to decide is he's enough and that you're gonna trust him because God wants you to do it. Paul Harvey, he's the radio guy that um, does the rest of the story. And for all you young people, you'll have to Google that, okay? But um, he does the rest of the story. And he tells um, a story of a, a family at, at Christmas time. And uh, this family at Christmas time, the, the, the wife always takes the kids to the Christmas Eve services, but the father stays home. He stays home because, not that he's a bad guy, it's just that he just can't really comprehend that God actually sent his son and he was born in a manger. He just doesn't, that God became this little baby. He just can't wrap his brain around it. And so he just doesn't wanna have anything to do with it. And it's not that he's against it. That's why he lets his family go. He just doesn't work for him. It doesn't work for him. And so it's Christmas Eve and the wife takes the kids to the Christmas Eve service and he does what he does on Christmas. He just goes and grabs his paper, he sits by the fire and he's just reading it while the family's away. And while he's reading his paper, all of a sudden he starts hearing a tap at his window and he looks and it's this bird. It's like this bird is trying to get in the house and he knows it's cold and it's snowy outside and he's thinking, well, does the bird want to come in and you know, get warm by the fire? Is that why he's tapping to get in? But he started having compassion for this bird because he didn't want the bird to hurt himself. And so he gets out of his chair and he goes outside to try to, to help this bird. And as he gets closer to the bird, the bird kind of panics and starts flying into the window even harder and harder. And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that, do this. So he goes up to the bird and the bird dives down into the bushes. Right below the window, he dives down and it's snowy and, the, and these bushes have thorns in them. And the guy's really worried that he's gonna hurt himself. So he starts reaching in there trying to get the bird. And the more he reached down, the more the bird flapped around because he was scared to death and he's starting to hurt himself. And so the man finally gets so frustrated. He gets so frustrated. He said, you stupid bird. Don't you know what I'm trying to do? I'm just trying to help you. Stop doing this. You're hurting yourself. I just want to help you. He's going, why can't this bird understand what I'm trying to do for him? He's going, if I could just be a bird, I'd let this bird know I'm not trying to hurt him. I'm trying to help him. And then the church bells rang. And the man stood up. And his eyes started to water because the first time in his life, he understood. He understood that God loved him so much that he sent his son to be just like him so that he could identify him, so he could listen to him, so he could trust him. That's what God did for all of us. God became a baby under the same laws to redeem us back to him because God wants to have a personal relationship with you. The question is, 
Do you see him as enough? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the love that you have for us, a love that never gives up on us, a love that would do anything to bring us into your family. And no matter matter how far we run away from you, no matter how far we stray, you're always there with arms open to bring us back. And God, we thank you for that. And God, we thank you for the fact that you are enough. Sometimes we don't feel it. So God, these people that are here today that are going through difficulties, that are, that are facing problems, the people that are watching online, that are dealing with, with, with difficult circumstances, speak to them now. Tell them you are the mighty God. You are the El Gabor. You are the El Shaddai. You are more than enough to see them through everything they're facing. That you're just saying, trust me. Follow me. I'll protect you. I'll bring you victory. I'll supply every need. Just trust me. And if you're here today or you're, you're watching and you've never entered into that relationship and for the first time in your life you're realizing just how much God loves you. First time in your life you realize I didn't know anybody could love me as much as you. The fact that you would do anything for me to get me to understand has totally changed my life. And so I'm ready right now. If you're ready right now, God's saying, open up your heart to me. Say, God, I now understand why you sent your son to be like me. I now understand that he took all of my sin upon himself. He took it all the way to the cross. He died for me and he rose again for me. I understand that now. And I understand that he's enough. And so I give my life to you. If you've said that, if you believe that, you've just received the greatest gift that you could ever give yourself at Christmas. That's how much God loves you. God, just be with us. Help us to remember today and tomorrow and through this whole season and every day that you are enough that you are more enough to see us through. Help us to trust you every day. God, we love you and praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.